A four-game series that felt like a week. The Reds and the Marlins are done. Both won two, both lost two. We're going to break down some big surprises, a couple of things that we're looking at moving forward for each team, and why on earth the Reds keep rolling with the same guy in the ninth inning. That's all coming up on today's Locked On Reds and Locked On Marlins crossover. We are brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And Locked On Reds and Locked On Marlins is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. I'm Jeff Carr, and that's Peter Pratt. We are undying fans of these franchises, and for better or for worse, and in really both of our, I mean, at least the Marlins have won a couple of World Series in in our lifetimes. The the Reds did it when I was a tiny baby, so I can't really claim to have celebrated that. But uh, this year we've seen quite a bit of evidence to show that the Reds and the Marlins aren't quite there just yet. Now this series was pretty competitive as a whole though, Pete, what was, what was kind of your first look whenever you think about these last four games? Firstly, great to be on with you, Jeff. It's the first time we've done a crossover, so I have to call that out. And just going back to the World Series wins for the Marlins, I was not a baseball fan or a Marlins fan at that point either. So I have to call that out as from a franchise perspective, I will celebrate that on Twitter. You know, hey, the Marlins have won two. And, you know, most other teams haven't really won more than two in that period either. So I'll use it for bragging, but I actually wasn't a fan at that point. So nevertheless, the main takeaways for me, my main piece it was very, very interesting to see Pablo Lopez and Louis Castillo. <laughs> and in <laughs> many ways, these guys are in exactly the same position. They're p- potentially in full audition mode, um, perhaps, and the, the, the clubs maybe want them to be pitching to their, you know, to, their, to their best abilities right now. And Pablo Lopez certainly put his best foot forward. Castillo, I think, equally pitched well, not quite as well as Pablo the day before, but certainly didn't do any harm. I think he was coming off a sensational start, but I believe, or by Twitter anyway, to say that he, off the Yankees' start, was absolutely sensational. So for me, it was those two guys that there's a lot of talk about from a trade perspective. We're in that season now, right? And both of them, I think, performed well. Will either of them ever make a start for either the Marlins or Reds again? I know that he, I know that Luis Castillo is slated to start on Tuesday. Now that's if we get there. Like there's plenty of rumors surrounding the Yankees. There's plenty of rumors surrounding the Dodgers and the Astros and the Twins. I mean, everybody should be invested in Luis Castillo, but you're right. When I watched Pablo Lopez pitch the other night and I thought of kind of your comments that you made a couple of days ago in that you think that the Marlins should look to be opportunistic sellers, not necessarily sell off everybody but you know look for some guys who can maybe help them down the road Pablo Lopez kind of came to mind to me because the way that he pitched and the the mix that he threw with the Reds they had nothing for him they 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 just could not get anything going against that dude and sure Hunter Green did all he could to keep up with him but at the end of the day Pablo Lopez was just a better pitcher that day and I think that any team that is calling the Reds and is maybe a little bit put off by how much the Reds are asking for probably should pick up the phone and call Miami and be like, yo, what do you want for Pablo? Because if it's less than Luis Castillo, I think that they should be interested. I think the price point will be pretty much the same. And it's funny, Mm -hmm. like you've got this marker 
from last year with the, the Berrios deal that the Twins swung, where they you know, shipped him to Toronto, if I recall. Same situation, I believe, a year and a half of control. Stud dude, one of the best arms knocking around. They went and acquired two top-level prospects there. So they've kind of set the market in many ways. And you've then got Luis Castillo this year, Pablo Lopez, plus Frankie Montas as well. Those three, I think, are all kind of circling around where they're all on teams that they're not in the mix this year. They've got a year of control at least beyond this year, so it's not just a pure rental situation. Uh, so Pablo's got one more year of ARB anyway after this. So, um, you know, it's going to be a very interesting deadline. They're, they're three of the stud arms. There could be more, but they're certainly the big three that I'm, you know, you're hearing talked about now. Otani you'd kind of throw in the mix too. I mean, what do the <laughs> Angels do with Otani? I mean, there's so much. This deadline is going to be absolutely wild. They've added on one playoff, um, you know, wildcard spot, you know, in, into the mix this year. I'm not sure that's reduced the amount of sellers, to be honest with you. I still think there's so many teams selling, so it's going to be a wild, wild deadline too. Well, and that's kind of an interesting point too, is that I was looking at it the other day and our friends over at Bet Online, when you're talking about the National League, really only have three teams that are favored, like in the favored category, it's, it's the Dodgers, the Mets, and the Braves. And then everybody else have odds at 11 to one or worse. It's like nobody, they don't think anybody can win outside of those three. So how are teams going to position themselves to face those when you look at a Brewers or you look at the Cardinals or or maybe the Padres or something like that where they've got some good talent but they really are looking up at those top three teams in the National League and Luis Castillo and Pablo Lopez definitely have to be on their forefront for me from a Reds perspective the bullpen has been very annoying all year long and it closed out this series a lot like it's been all year. Now, they've, they've gone through a period of time where they haven't allowed a run, and we've got to shout that out. We've got to give them some credit. But the guy that they keep pulling in in the ninth inning is not their best guy. Now, I, I, there is a long debate that we could have an entirely different show about as to whether or not saves matter and whether or not your best pitcher needs to be saved for the ninth inning or not. I don't necessarily think that's the case, but... Hunter Strickling consistently has gotten that ninth inning, and he showed why on Thursday they really need to consider somebody else because I think when you're a team like the Reds or a team like the Marlins too, I mean, Tanner Scott did all right, but at the end of the day, like there's not a set hierarchy. You need to be trying out as many dudes as possible. And the only guy that I feel like for the Reds is Alexis Diaz and everybody else is a question mark. And now part of that is also too, I'm just hoping there's a little bit of brother mojo that maybe Edwin Diaz has imparted to Alexis, but just the way that he pitches is so much more fun to watch than anybody else that comes out of that bullpen door for the Reds. Completely with you. First time I'd seen Alexis Diaz pitch ever live and was impressed. Main takeaways was, you know, there's something there, you know, for certain. And, you know, I'm looking numbers now. He's got a sub two ERA, high strikeout rate. I mean, it feels familiar, right? It's a, it's a familiar story. So, uh, you know, if the Reds, you know, they're not in it, it's, it's a time to mix and match, find some guys, find some arms, rather than just rolling with the same dude that, you know, the results have been underwhelming, let's say. And again, it was an underwhelming finish on, on Thursday. Obviously, uh, Jesus Sanchez with a big kind of pinch it homer um, to get it going for the fish. And then the, a little rally started. Um, it's funny, Jesus Sanchez, I think he's tied in Major League Baseball now for the number of ninth inning home runs. 
um, at four. <laughs> and he's had a terrible year. The strikeout's been, been so high, but Jesus Sanchez, he comes alive in the ninth. Call him nice a sniper or something. Yeah, that's exactly. great. Exactly. Pinch hitting too as well, which is nice to see. So, yeah, it was, um, I'm with you on that. The Diaz definitely looks like the real deal, and Strickland labored is how I would describe him. Yeah, he came over from the Brewers, and he was very impressive as a Brewer. And I know that our friend Dom over at Lockdown Brewers still kind of talks to talks about him in a very fond way. But as a Red, he just he just hadn't shown it for me. He, he hasn't quite been there. But that is the way of a team like the Reds that is out of it, is trying to figure out what the future looks like, and has guys that they need to give some more time to, but they also have these vets who have been around and have done it, and they feel like if they want to get a win, this is the guy they got to call on. And David Bell made the statement the other day, he's just like, our goal is always to win and make the playoffs. And it's just like, okay, David, that's, that's nice, but we're not. So maybe have a different thought um I don't, I don't know there's there's lots about this series still to get to because there were some surprises and there was one for me that involved a marlins player that you haven't necessarily been so high on and somebody i thought was gonna get right i'm gonna tell you who that is here in just a moment but i'm gonna tell you what peter if you're looking for a great way to hire for your small business i don't necessarily know you know small business locked on marlins if locked on marlins is looking for some good folks you got to look on linkedin linkedin is going to give your small business the best opportunity to hire your next great candidate whether you're talking about screening questions or the myriad of options that linkedin gives to you especially considering the network that they have of over 40 million job seekers a week linkedin can help you find the next great hire for your company plus it's all for free go to lock or linkedin.com slash locked on mlb today and create a free job post and then add your purple hiring frame to your profile then you can reach the massive network that linkedin has of all these people that are looking for jobs Check it out today. It's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB is the URL to check it out for free. Again, free job posting at LinkedIn for a huge clientele. Folks who are looking for jobs are on LinkedIn. And if you're looking to grow your company, there's no better way. Thanks again for making Lockdown Marlins and Lockdown Reds your first listen of the day. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day the reds and marlins just finished up a four game set and i think the reds are coming down to miami i think it's next week actually it's going to be during the deadline so we will we'll be doing this all again at the beginning of next week but for these four games in great american ballpark two and two the reds and the marlins split and we talked about our big takeaways luis castillo pablo lopez and the bullpen for the reds i'm gonna give you this i'm gonna give you my surprise first before i ask you your surprise because there is a guy that whenever the Marlins were coming here, I saw his numbers and I said, okay, he's not having a great season, but this dude has killed the Reds in the past. And that is Avisio Garcia. Avisio Garcia has absolutely murdered the Reds, whether he was a White Sox or he was a Brewer. And I, I thought for sure, because I know how much he's kind of struggled this season. He was a fantasy baseball draft pick of mine. Maybe I'm the problem. I don't know. 
But he was a guy that just hasn't lived up to what the fish thought he was going to be. And so I thought, Great American, he's going to feel right at home because he just murders the Reds here. And they were somehow able to keep him in check. Now his, you know, his former Brewer teammate, Jesus Aguiar, he hit a home run today. He had three hits. Big day for him. But overall, Avisio Garcia surprised me in a way that I didn't expect. And that was that the Reds were able to shut him down. Boy, oh boy, Jeff, you're absolutely killing me here. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> if that if that was, I mean, I, I get it. And I, it, we we were thinking the same because I remember as well there was an interview, you know, a good few months ago. You know, Avi came in, big free agent signing for the Fish. They're looking to add some power. You know, he fits the brief in many ways. There, there was an interview as well where he's saying, "I'm still getting acclimatized here. I love playing in the Central, though." And, you know, he kind of made that statement. I was thinking, oh boy, okay, he's setting himself up here. He's going to turn back up at Cincinnati. There was a lot of clips going around of Avi and the history, you know, as a brewer, hitting some bombs, some big bombs. The one thing that stands out to you, though, when you watch them clips, only from last year, he is a lot bigger now, a lot thicker, and not in a good way. Like, you, you watch, you look at those clips from last year, the jaw is chiseled, he looks more muscular. Now it looks completely opposite. So I'm wondering if he's let himself, you know, the body go in a bit, bit of a different direction, maybe. I don't know. But nevertheless, Avi Garcia continues to underwhelm. And I mean, what are we sitting here now? He's got a 587 OPS, and we're almost through July. That's your big free agent acquisition for the Marlins. They don't have a lot of money to spend, but they've spent a lot of it on Avi Garcia. And as Donnie tough. said a few, few weeks back, the big boys. They, he's, the big boys have got to go was the phrase he used. And what he means is they've got to show up and they haven't. And that's sunk this uh, offense this year, unfortunately. And I think that's been the biggest thing between these two ball clubs, as we'll talk about here in a few minutes, as the Reds and the Marlins move forward, two different things happen. The Reds didn't necessarily make aggressive moves this offseason to try and contend, but they still had talent. And I still have been disappointed with what I thought was going to happen. I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team by any stretch, but I thought they were going to be closer to 500 and a lot less and, and a lot further away from obscurity than they currently are. Meanwhile, for the Marlins, the Marlins did make some moves to at least be viable in the East and be the kind of team that would at least play, you know, be pesky against the Braves and against the Mets and things like that. And that hasn't happened for a totally different reason. There were, there's a lot of injuries for the Reds and just some dudes underperforming. And Avisio Garcia was the first guy that I looked at. And I was just like, wow, I'm I'm shocked at that. But that makes sense, though. The, the You know, if if his conditioning's off, that's that's where it is. Yeah, which is disappointing, right? I mean, you, you, you pay a guy, you, you sell him the dream, you sell him the role. Listen, Avi, we need you to come in. We need you to be middle of the order bat. Give us some thump. Same for Jorge Soler. Soler's out at the moment um, on the IL as well. But same story to, to Soler. Come in. You know, you're three, four guys. We're going to lean on you. We've got other guys built around that. Jazz, Wendell, Coop, you know, whatever. They can do some, do some damage. But we need you to be the power stick. And both of them have, have really underwhelmed. Um, I'll give you my surprise, just kind of going um, into where you were talking about. My main surprise, I've had no eyeballs on the Reds at all this year. First time I watched the Reds game. Um, you know, it's, it's hard enough to follow the Marlins, uh, one team from the UK. I'm not surprised. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> the, the main takeaway I've got, so the Marlins here now, they're, they're 47 and 52, and the Reds 38 and 60, right? So nine games difference. They play in different divisions. The schedules are, you know, all lopsided, but... The Marlins have absolutely pummeled the Washington Nationals this year. 
take that away. And what I was seeing when I watched these, this series and the series against the Pirates, the Marlins are a lot closer in terms of the roster to the Reds and the Pirates than they are to the, the Braves, etc. I'm not trying to knock the Reds, actually. What I'm trying to say is the Reds were better than I expected. Because I remember in the early stages, you had all of the, the, the dialogue of, you know, this, the, the historically slow start they had. And I was like, wow, the Reds, that, you know, this could be the worst team ever. You know, it was that kind of talk, you know, first two weeks. The Reds, to me, look, there's talent there. That's to your point. There's talent in the Reds on the roster right now. There's guys doing it. And I, I enjoyed seeing in a strange way, Jonathan India really showing up and having a, a big game against Trevor Rogers, which I thought was a really interesting wrinkle to this series as well because of the Rookie of the Year stuff from last year. But the Marlins are closer to the Reds and the Pirates in terms of quality and talent right now, in my opinion, than, than they are to the Braves. That's a problem for the Marlins. Um, I, I think it is anyway. Wait and see what we do in the future. But yeah. Yeah, that was one of those where, I mean... Really, the Reds were done in April because in April they went three and twenty-two. Like you're not coming back from that. You're not coming back from nineteen games under five hundred in the first month of the season. So there was a lot of all right. Where do you go from here? Because obviously the Reds have you know announced themselves as sellers before we even started talking about the trade deadline. So that's where the idea that they still hadn't had any sort of contract talks with Luis Castillo, at least not publicly reported. Now they may have behind the scenes in years past, but that ship has sailed. And speaking of a Reds Marlins, you know, uh, connection there, you know, Dan Straley for Luis Castillo, um, the, the Reds just never supported him. Like that was never like a thing. Like we got Luis Castillo. Hey, yes. All right, great. Then we had nobody helping them out in the bullpen and very inconsistent lineup play. And the, peak of his career was one playoff start in which he got zero runs of support so it's uh, uh, it's just annoying to see because now he's going to go to a contender and he's going to get that shot which i'm happy for him personally but it's it's going to be a bummer that it's not in a reds uniform but yeah you're right like what I've seen from the Marlins, and, and I think a lot of it does have to do with injury, because without Jazz Chisholm, this team is just different. The lineup is just different. Like, that's the dude. He is, as much as Tyler Stevenson or Jonathan India are important to the Reds' future, Jazz Chisholm might be even more so to the Marlins, because he is one of, like, the most exciting dudes in the league. And then when you take away, you know, guys like Garrett Cooper and... and um. I didn't see is is um Brian um Anderson hurt as well. Yeah, I didn't see him. I know he's a he's a solid hitter as well. So you, you've got a lot of injuries that are affecting that. And I think that you're right because you had the take the other day that um and, and not to step on you too much because I know that we're gonna talk about this here in a minute, but that the Marlins probably are looking at a little bit more of a seller's mentality this break. I think that's Let's leave it. Yes, that, that's where we'll leave you off because we are going to talk about that. Two teams that are selling both split a series here in Great American Ballpark. And I'll tell you this, uh, Pete, when I'm looking at Bet Online, the odds just definitely confirm that. Because, like we mentioned, there's three favorites it's the Dodgers. The Bet Online has them at plus 150 to win the National League, not to win the NL West, to win the entire 
National League. Now, I I want to I want to hear from you because we've seen both these teams quite a bit. They have the Mets at plus three fifty, and they have the Braves at plus four hundred. Which of those two are you pick? I've got to. Be, it's tough, right? But I would take the Mets right now, only because Jacob Degrom is on his way back, baby. Ooh, yeah, they've yeah, done this all DeGrom. without him. Yeah, he's gonna the best pitcher, give or take, apart from Sandy Alcantara. But you know, there's a bit of bias there, but. Jacob deGrom is about to be the biggest free agent signing, effectively, or the biggest trade kind of situation right now. So I'm taking the Mets. I think deGrom comes in and pushes these guys over the top. They got a crazy shot in the arm of Mojo after they beat the Yankees in two straight games. That was, that, that was kind of nice to see. Sorry, Stacey. I'm, I'm not being biased against the Yankees. I just... I love me some National League Baseball. Anyway, if you want to check out the action, head on over to betonline.net because they've got you covered when it comes to Major League Baseball, when it comes to NFL futures. Camp is going. The Bengals are practicing. The the Dolphins are practicing. Everybody's practicing and getting ready for the season. they got NFL futures. There's also some great MMA props. There is one hell of an MMA card coming up this weekend. you got Brandon Moreno fighting. you got Amanda Nunez fighting. Just so much great stuff you can find. But I just got chills talking talking about actually um sorry anyway go to betonline.net and check it out because they got you covered whether you're talking about your desktop or your mobile device for all the trends and the action bet online is where the game starts <sighs> well, all right let's let's look at the immediate future let's talk about the next what is it four days five days until the trade deadline as the reds and the marlins are looking toward the future i firmly believe i I think i think the marlins are there and that's kind of something that you've said so when you think about is pablo lopez he's he's probably the best trade candidate but is, is he the most likely marlin to be moved good question um pablo lopez is the most valuable asset that the Marlins have to sell if indeed they, they would, if they, if they find a, a, you know, a deal to make. But the thing is, Pablo, no expiring deal, still one year of control. They don't have to make the deal now. Clearly, right. maybe there's a move to make. But the Marlins' need is so specific. We're looking for major league, you know, cost-controlled impact bats. The problem you face at this time of the year to make that type of deal is, well, you're going to be selling Pablo to a contender and the likelihood is they probably don't want to give you their impact bats right at this moment. Maybe the Marlins will look at someone a very near Major League bat. But then you're back to the old situation of the Christian Yelich deal, where you go, hey, we'll take Lewis Brinson. He's Major League ready. No one's ever seen him at the Major Leagues. He may flame out. Then you're back to that situation. I think for the Marlins, for Pablo Lopez, they have to, if they're going to move him, it has to be for a nailed-on, sure impact bat. It has to be a sure thing. No guesswork. And that's what I want to see. That, in my opinion, is very hard to do in this, in this kind of buying-selling cycle. Most likely, I think they don't sell Pablo at this deadline. I don't think they will. I think mm-hmm. in the off-season they may do. And that's a different kind of situation there. So most likely to be moved, be moved for the Marlins, Jesus Aguilar, after a massive game uh, on Thursday. Yeah. Very interesting timing again. Aguilar's gone. Expiring deal. The Marlins are not extending Jesus Aguilar. Anthony Bass, I believe, will be traded as well. Been a very, very, very impressive seventh inning guy for the Marlins um, all year long. Um, so I think Bass goes. He's got three million owed next year. I think Bass. So those two are obvious. Then you wait and see. What do they do? Is there a deal to make? The Marlins, I think, are still actively pursuing Brian Reynolds. Actively. 
And it wouldn't shock me if they go and make a deal, but it would be maybe some of the younger arms. That fits the, the Pirates brief. Like a, you know, I know Max Meyer's just gone on the IL, but like a, a kind of Max Meyer type guy, an Edward Cabrera, Sixto Sanchez. Those guys, very limited major league service time. That, that kind of fits what the Pirates would be looking for. So, I, I, you know, I'm intrigued to see what the Marlins do. I think they will still buy but for the future, not for this year. So similar maybe to the Jazz Gallon deal a few years back, could see something in that kind of arena maybe, a big kind of high-value prospect swap. It's going to be an active deadline for the Fish, no doubt about it. How are you seeing the Reds? What's, what's going to be the main storylines from a Reds perspective? That makes sense to me. Honestly, it's got to be Castillo because I feel like they have built this up. This is actually something that there were a lot of rumors this past offseason linking some certain teams to Castillo. But I think ownership and the folks who run the Reds almost got a little bit skittish because they made some terrible deals to cut payroll very early on in the offseason. They got rid of Tucker Barnhart for a flyer of a minor leaguer that wasn't even a prospect. And I don't know that Nick Cantana is going to be anything for the Reds, but whatever. They got at least something back for him. They waived Wade Miley and he went to a division rival. Now he's been hurt pretty much all year. So it's not as if the Reds are actively missing him, but still, it's just the way in which they got rid of those guys. And then you look at some different trades where, you know, only time will tell as to if the Reds won them. So you kind of wonder if they got skittish, then they're just like, oh, public perception is very terrible. We should probably also not trade away our other two best pitchers in Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley. Now, fast forward to today, they are super coveted because I think that there is a combination where, kind of like you said with Pablo Lopez, there's a very good chance that they wait until this offseason. There's also, you know, names like Juan Soto and Shohei Otani that are coming up when it comes to this trade deadline. I think that. Luis Castillo is still more likely to be dealt than either one of those guys. And I think that because of that, even though there was a tweet from Buster Olney earlier on Thursday that said, you know, there's a belief around the industry that the Reds may keep Luis Castillo. That is smoke. That's nothing. There's the, the no, 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 no. The Reds are not going to hold on to him if they have a good offer. I think that was more of, you know, positioning and saying they're still waiting on a good offer. I, I think it's interesting to think about if they do hold on to him because then they will have to explain, well, we didn't get any offers that we liked because they don't necessarily have to let go of him. Kind of like you said with Lopez, it could be this off season, but I still think that he's going to move because the team saw the Yankees made the move for Andrew Benintendi. The Yankees are going to see other teams make moves like the blue Jays and things like that. And the blue Jays are in on Luis Castillo. Can you imagine if the Yankees get Andrew Benintendi, but then the Blue Jays get Luis Castillo. The Yankees faithful are going to be up in arms about like their future chances. It's going to be in, insane to see. But Mally and then also Brandon Drew. You saw him with a multi-hit game today or uh, yesterday. That was you know, he's been probably the most consistent bat in this lineup all year. But he is on a one-year deal. It's expiring. He's the kind of guy that the Reds took on a flyer. Didn't expect anything from him, and he's just taken off like way better than his career has ever been and I mean he set a career high in home runs I think a week before the all-star game and he's still building on that obviously but um he's a guy that I almost kind of marked down as a Dan Straley in my mind like yeah Dan Straley was nice that year for the Reds but if they can go out and they can get a Luis Castillo like prospect for Brandon Drury they should do that in a heartbeat and hopefully they're looking for something like that. Well, Brainer, I'm, I'm glad you 
um, you know, mention Drury because, again, n- not seen any at-bats from him all year, but through the series, all the time, just the at-bats were just brilliant. The production was brilliant. I was really impressed with Drury all series long. And like you said, expiring deal, no-brainer. No-brainer. That, that kind of DHE first base market is interesting, though. Aguilar's in that same space. Drury's in that space. Bell's in that space. Like, there's a lot of those types of guys. Um, I'm intrigued about Josh Bell in general. This is, let me just throw this out there. I, you know, we saw Lewin Diaz through this series, which I think is interesting, you know, prospect for the Marlins. They really need to work out, is Lewin Diaz going to be the future at first base? The glove is sensational, but, mm-hmm. you know, he just hasn't had the opportunity to, to hit at the major league level. But, you know, let's think about like a Josh Bell, the, the Nats. Clearly, they're going to sell him, you would expect, um, at this deadline. I'm kind of sitting there thinking, I wonder if the Marlins think, maybe let's go and get Bell and try and extend him. Mm -hmm. So you look at it not as a rental, like we're going to take him and go to free agency. Maybe you try and back channel into Bell and say, hey, listen, we're serious about you. We can see you being part of the Marlins in the future. Where's your head at? You know, that would be a wild situation that I wouldn't expect to happen. but. You know, these guys, difference makers like Josh Bell, difference making bat that the Marlins yep. desperately need that's available right now for maybe a cut down price because clearly it's an expiring deal and, you know, the, 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 I guess the prospect capital required is lower. You know, you just kind of sit there thinking, I wonder, I wonder if the Marlins are thinking down that line, but you have to pay the guy, right? And that's kind of right. the, the Achilles heel for the fish. That would be intriguing for me because, and... He's not a name that we mention a whole lot around the lockdown red space, but a guy that the Reds went and got in 2019 for the express purpose of what the team was going to look like in 2020 was Trevor Bauer. Now he also was on a deal that was going to keep him through that, you know, that next season and things like that. But could they, could the Marlins look to make a deal this trade deadline that helps them next year? That's really interesting to talk about because then you get, you know, Jazz Chisholm, you get Brian Anderson, you get all these guys that are on the IL back healthy, and hopefully you can figure out whatever it is that has ailed them this year and kind of keep them healthy next year. And then you add in a Josh Bell or you add in another impact guy like that. That could be very cool because for the Reds, the Reds really, I don't think, even from a very rosy perspective, are going to be anywhere near contention until 2024. So they're looking a couple of years down the road. That's why prospects are the main thing I want them to get. But from a Marlins perspective, that would be intriguing to see. It really would. I mean, there's a ton of ways. That's what's so intriguing about the Marlins at this deadline and the offseason. When you have Sandy Alcantara there in the rotation, who I think is nailed on to win the Cy Young, to be honest with you, in the NL, like it's, it's nailed on. You've got a Cy Young pitcher. You've got a Pablo Lopez sitting behind him as the twos, like a three RA dude is legit two. You know, other guys around. You've got a Jazz Chisholm there. Like, this roster is, it's on the cusp. They've struggled to stay healthy. They struggled with center field. They let Marte walk. Well, they traded Marte away, but they, they couldn't get a deal done to sign Marte. I think that really hurt them. They really struggled to kind of solidify the closing position. Two gaping holes, center field and closer. Then you've been hit with injuries, and they've underperformed. Like Avi's, like we mentioned, Avi's kind of underperformed, and Soler. But this team's on the cusp. Like they could be on the cusp. They just have to play well, execute, and fill in a couple of holes with some, you know, proven major league guys. So their strategy is different to the Reds. That's why their yeah. need is different to the Reds. So where where Pablo and Castillo, what those teams are looking for back, 
I think actually varies quite a bit. And so they're not actually in competition in some ways with each other. Although the teams asking about them will be very similar teams. The Yankees, the Blue Jays, no doubt, the Twins, all, the, all these teams we're talking about that are in the mix. Everyone needs a number two or a one, right? I mean, you just, you know, everyone needs them. So, you know, what's the price though? That's the question. What about, and this might be something for you to discuss on a later episode of Lockdown Marlins, but what about Pablo Lopez for Xander Bogarts? Because Boston's not getting a deal done with Bogarts, apparently. Or maybe they will. They're, they're still not sure. That could be, that could be interesting to me. Um, but no, it's definitely, the Marlins are going to be a lot of fun to watch through this trade deadline, and you're going to want to be locked on Marlins all the way through. Peter's got you covered. And with the Reds, there's going to be a lot of prospects coming around. The Reds are going to be sellers. They should be active sellers. There should be at least two, three, four guys. I'm hoping that they should be trading, if not more. We're going to have you covered every single day. Whether you're looking for the Marlins content or the Reds content, check us out. Locked on Marlins, Locked on Reds. We're all part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every single day. And we'll be right here for you. We'll talk to you on Monday.